All right, good morning. How's everybody doing? It's uh, good to be back uh, with you guys. Um, for, for everybody uh, who prayed for me over the last couple of weeks, thank you so much um, for sending text messages um, and saying, hey, I'm thinking about you or praying for you. How you doing? How you feeling? Uh, I really appreciate that. Um, uh, I'll let you know uh, this morning, uh, I'm about 60% uh, on, on the back and uh, got uh, some medication uh, that's still working. And so uh, I felt like, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go up there and I'm going to teach. Um, you know, we're going to do that. And then Ashley, my loving wife, uh, who always has wisdom to say to me, she said, just don't say anything dumb. <laughs> I said, uh, okay. And that's her fear. She, she's afraid that I'm not going to be thinking clearly and straight this morning. So if I say anything dumb, uh, let's just blame it on medication. Okay. Let's just, let's just all do that together. Um, but uh, again, I, I want to say thank you. Uh, and I don't want the morning to be about me. So I'm going to stop talking about that. Uh, we want to focus in on the Lord. Uh, and what he has for us this morning. Uh, but before that, I do want to say thank you. Uh, and would you help me to say thank you to, uh, to Scott and to Tim, who just did a fantastic job over the last couple of weeks. I, I called Scott the day before, um, uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, but before Sunday. I called him on Saturday and said, hey, can you, can you jump in? And he's like, oh, yeah, Okay. Uh, but he jumped in with confidence, and I was glad for that. And then Tim, uh, a couple of days before, he jumped in. Uh, and so just so thankful for those guys and uh, the team that God has given us here at Riverview uh, to serve and to minister and to lead us into faithful lives of, of, of total obedience and uh, what some would say maybe even reckless abandon to our Lord. And so thankful for you guys. Thank, thank you for the prayer. Um, I want you to open up your Bibles to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 13. Um, which in a Christmas season, uh, you might think, well, that's an odd passage to be turning to uh, during a Christmas series. And so while you're turning there, let me say this to you. Um, you you've likely heard the statement, uh, hurt people hurt people. Have you all heard that before? And, and we kind of generally know, I think, what that's all about. Uh, people who have experienced certain types of trauma or behavior towards them in their lives, they, there's, there's a high likelihood or high percentage of them actually... Um, uh, expressing their pain or expressing their trauma in hurtful ways in other relationships or with other people. And to be honest, that is a very broad and, and high overarching statement on that. And it doesn't do that, that comment justice because um, it goes way deeper than that. But on a general level, um, sometimes what happens is that hurt people tend to hurt people uh, and they may not even know that they're doing it. Uh, it, it just kind of happens. But if that's true, I, I, I kind of wondered if that's true, I wonder if the opposite would be true also. Do loved people then tend to love people pretty well? Like if, if you are really loved by a person in your life, or if you've been loved by a certain group of people in your life, does that tend to kind of does love tend to kind of ooze out of you uh, in ways that you're not even aware of? Like because you've seen it done so much in your life, it just kind of naturally happens, and you tend to to love other other people. Now, I'm not a therapist. Um, I'm not a licensed counselor uh, by any stretch. I do a lot of counseling, but I'm not a licensed counselor. But from a practical standpoint, it seems to be true, doesn't it? that loved people just tend to be people who love other people uh, pretty well. It's been true in my life. If somebody shows me love or care, I, I want to express that back. 
If somebody shows love or compassion or some type of empathy or um, expression of, of love towards my family, man, I, like, if, if you want my heart, love my family, right? And, it, and if you love my family, it's just going to ooze back out of me towards you and towards other people as well. And I think that's just a, a general truth, that if you've been loved, you're just like, bro, I, I want to do the same thing with people in my life. Um, I remember one Christmas, uh, somebody gave Ashley and I a hundred dollars just randomly. We were walking around like in Walmart or Target or something, and they just randomly gave us a hundred bucks. And we're like, "Holy smokes!" And this is when we were like young, married, and we had nothing. Right? We're like living in this little tuna can apartment and just like living the best life, but the broke life. And we had bills and we had gifts to buy uh, for for Christmas and that sort of thing. And so when somebody gave us a hundred bucks, we're like well, what are we going to do with this? The first thing that popped into our mind was like, well, let's just put it in our pocket, go home, and let's go pay off some things that, that we got to pay for. But what actually ended up happening was we took that $100 and then even a little bit more, and we started to look around to do the same thing that somebody had done for us. We had been shown just this random, incredible type of love and so we wanted to pass that feeling on to somebody else because what happens is loved people tend to love other people. It just happens that way. And so this year or this week, we're still in our Christmas series. We're in The Weary World Rejoices. Uh, and what I want to do is I want to focus in on love. And specifically, the, the aspect of love that I want to focus on is the love of Christ, how the love of Christ leads you and me, leads us to be people who love other people well, that it would just naturally ooze out of us. Now, we can look around and we can, we can see like, man, the world is kind of chaotic, right? I don't, I don't have to try to convince you that we're living in what feels like a weary world right now. People are fighting and bickering with one another. Uh, people are spitting hatred towards one another on social media. You hop on for like two seconds and you just see it happening. And if anybody dares to get out from behind the keyboard, some of that stuff is happening out in real life. Face to face, people are just fighting with each other. It's happening on social media. There are military wars that are taking place all around the world. Um, there are social wars, political wars, ethical wars, all these things that are going back and forth, economic problems. We're dealing with financial issues in our homes. There's all kinds of things. Um, I, I was actually, I was uh, on social media uh, one day last week, and I saw this reel, um, and, I, and I guess this guy um, had uh, gotten cut off in traffic or something like that, um, or he was just having an incredibly bad day, because he stops at a stoplight, he gets out of his car, and he punches through this guy's window, and then he proceeds like to hit the guy through the window, and then that guy gets out of his car, and they start brawling in the street, and I'm like, Ho! what on earth is happening here? And I thought, like, first of all, I thought, who has the audacity to even get out of their car to go hit somebody else's window? And then I thought, on the other side of things, like, there's somebody who's just sitting here recording this. Like, they're recording this fight going down, and they're not even jumping in to help or do anything. I said, like, it doesn't take us long to feel like we are living in an overwhelming time. Things just feel heavy. Things feel too much for us at times. And so when we were sitting down as a, a staff team uh, not too long ago, when we were talking about what we were going to do for Christmas and how we were going to teach the series and whatnot, it seemed to me that we had to speak to this truth, that we're a weary world, and we know that, we feel that, <clears throat> and we are desperate to see that the hope and the peace <clears throat> and the joy and the love that's been promised to us in Jesus, 
that, that we want to see that now. We, we, want, we want to see if that's true right now, today. We, like, we, we don't want to wait till, to see it in eternity where we already know that things are going to be good. We want to see how does the love, joy, peace, and, and goodness, and grace, and how do all those things, and Jesus, how does it show up now? How does Jesus make a difference in my life today? How is Jesus the cure for a weary world today? How is Jesus uh, the cure for weary people that would lead us to, to rejoice and to have hope today? How can weary people experience love? That, that's what we're desperate to see this and to feel this practically in our lives. And this may be simple, like way, way oversimplistic, um, but I'm going to say it anyway. I, I think it starts by us really understanding that everybody in this room, Okay, we'll just keep it in the context of these walls because this is who we're talking to. And if somebody's watching online for the three people who watch um, in, in your room also, okay? Here's the deal. We've got to understand that every one of us in this room right now is deeply loved. You are deeply loved. It doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter where you come from. You are deeply loved. But, but here's a hard truth. Not every one of us wake up in the morning and feel loved. There are days that you might wake up and feeling loved is the furthest thing from your mind. You actually feel the opposite. You may feel like, does anybody love me? Does anybody care uh, about me? And the idea that you are deeply loved is not even close. And there are all kinds of reasons for that that we're not going to delve into. But when you don't feel loved, it is really hard to show love to somebody else, isn't it? It's really hard for love to ooze out of you when that's not been your experience or when you don't feel like it's been your experience. But if we could just see how truly loved that we are, I, I think it would make a huge difference in our own life, but I also think it might ooze out of us and make a difference in somebody else's life. So I, I want to, let's maybe start like this and, and let's get a good working definition of love, okay? So let me ask you, and I actually want you to feed back with this, what is love? If you were to try to define it, how would you say this is what love is? So I'm going to ask it, and I want a thousand people are going to say back to me, this is what love is. Okay, say, what is love? Patience? Caring? Caring? Things have gone boom around my life in my ears that I can't hear. Respect? Love is kind? Loyalty? What, what is love? Sacrificial? Yeah. Yeah. What's that? Well, it's probably a great answer, but I could. Faithfulness? Okay. So, so just in like one minute here, we've gotten all kinds of different definitions of what love is. And, and I would say that all those are a component of it, Right. But I got a little bit curious this week, <clears throat> and I thought, you know, the world's been kind of crazy about AI here recently, and everybody's AI this, AI that. Do we, do we use it? Do we not use it? Does it know everything? Is it going to take over the world? And we're like, oh. And so I said, okay, I'm going to ask AI, what is love? And so I just kind of pulled it up on the computer, drop, dropped in, and I said, okay, what's love? And, and, and I want to read to you what AI tells us love is, or at least one generation of it. <clears throat> it says, love is a complex and multifaceted emotion that can be challenging to define precisely, as it encompasses a broad range of feelings, experiences, and attitudes. 
Generally, love is considered a deep affection or attachment to someone or something. It can be expressed in various forms, such as romantic love, platonic love, familial love, or even love for inanimate objects or abstract concepts. Okay, you tracking with that? What else did AI say about love? So, uh, it says the experience of love often involves a combination of emotional, cognitive, and behavioral components. People may feel a strong emotional connection, deep care, and affection for someone they love. Love can also be accompanied by a sense of commitment, understanding, and empathy. This is getting really long. What, what else did AI say? Uh, it says, different cultures, philosophies, and religions have explored the concept of love throughout history, leading to, a diverse perspective, or leading to diverse perspectives on its nature and significance. Ultimately, love is a fundamental aspect of the human experience, influencing relationships, personal development, and overall well-being. Okay, so AI had a lot to say about love, did it not? Um, does, it, does it feel to you right now, sitting in this room, like you understand what love is now? Well, okay. I didn't think that would help us too much. So I thought, well, if AI is not going to really give us a, a strong answer, maybe the academic world could give us a better answer, right? Because, um, you know, I, I, I did a study, or I looked up some studies from, from Ivy League colleges because that's supposed to be like, those are where the best thinkers are, right? The, 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 the best uh, academic people. And so I said, okay, let's see if the academic world can tell us what love is. And so uh, I went to Harvard, and I uh, looked to see if they had a study on this. And uh, they did, and they this is, they tried to uh, get their minds around love from a scientific side of things. And here was their conclusion from their study. They said, I think we know a lot more scientifically about love and the brain than we did a couple of decades ago. But do we think that makes us better at love or helping people with love? Probably not much. Well, thanks, Harvard. Thanks, academic world. We still don't actually know what love is. And so that leaves us asking the question, what is love? And so let's think about it in here one more time. Fellas, let me highlight you real quick. Husbands, do you think you've got love figured out? <laughs> Wives, do they have it figured out? Wives, do you feel like you've got love all figured out in your house? Husbands, do they? Yes is the right answer for you right now. That's, yeah. Friends, do you feel like you've figured out how to love your friends well all the time? We, I think we still don't maybe understand fully what love is. And so if the culture is having a hard time, if we're having a hard time understanding what love is, maybe we should see what God has to say about what love is. If he is the author of it, maybe we should see what he has to say. And so we're in Christmas time, right? And, and I feel like the ultimate love that we can understand happens around Christmas time. And I think the Christmas story is actually the ultimate story of love because you have a God who creates a whole universe, right? Like in Genesis, we get to see him making the world, but he's created the whole universe. And in that universe, he creates human beings and he places them on the most fantastic and perfect place on earth. Like it couldn't get any better. They had everything. And he loved his people so much. You could see it from the delicacy and how he created everything around them and how they were the apple of his eye. 
But as soon as they had like two seconds to themselves, they'd go and they destroy it. Like they go and they talk to a snake. A snake is talking to them and they go talk to it. And like shortly after that, things go south and the whole thing implodes. But even though sin happens in the garden, God was not done with Adam and Eve. He was not done with humanity. He loved and cared about humanity too much to just let it in there. And so instead of destroying them, what he does is he creates a rescue plan for them and ultimately for you and for me. And we begin to get the first hint of it in Genesis 3, verse 15. Uh, It's one of my favorite passages in all the Bible, but admittedly, it's a little obscure verse. It's kind of weird when you first read it. It's maybe difficult to understand in its own context. But when you see the context of Scripture, you understand, holy smokes, This is talking about what was to come. It's dripping with the love of God and his people. So here's what God had to say in Genesis 3, 15. And he's speaking directly to the serpent who who leads Adam and Eve into sin. He says, I've got a judgment and a punishment for you, and here's what it's going to look like. I'm going to put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Doesn't that feel like a weird verse? Like if you don't understand it in the context of the New Testament, it just feels like it's just totally out of place. But what we have here in Genesis, what we're finding out there is that way before Jesus ever shows up in a manger, then we're celebrating Christmas, way before that ever takes place, God was promising that he was going to, to save his world, that he was going to save you and me, that he loved them so much that he was willing to send them a savior. And you read in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten, that whosoever should believe in him should not but have everlasting life. We read there what was happening here, what was promised in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, that he loved them and that he was going to send them a savior and he was gonna undo the mess that was created right there in the garden. And that continues to even happen today. And so when we hit Christmas time, this is why we slow down. This is why we take an entire month to just kind of sit and soak on the love of God, to sit and soak on this love, because it's a a, a love that would step out of heaven to be with us. And Mark writes it like this. He he says, she will bear a son, and he's talking about Mary here. He says, Mary's going to bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. This is going all the way back to the garden. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. This was prophecy that was saying what was spoken in Genesis 3.15 was actually going to happen, that there was going to be somebody who was going to come. There was going to be a savior. You're going to call his name Emmanuel. It's going to be Jesus. He's going to wrap himself in flesh, He's going to come and live amongst us, and then he's going to love us so much that he's going to go to a cross and he's going to give up his life. Isn't that amazing picture of love? It doesn't get any better than that. But what I want to do is I want to step away from the manger for just a minute. And not only does, does God show us what love looks like through the life of Jesus, for those of us who might be just a, a little bit slower at picking up things, like, like myself, God goes ahead and says, hey, 
I'm just going to tell you what it is. This, this is what love is. I'm just going to spell it out for you. And so while Jesus was on his way to the cross, he tells the disciples. He says, this is what love looks like. In John 15, he says, greater love has no one than this than somebody lay down their life for their friends. He says, this is the greatest form of love. There's nothing better than this, than that somebody would sacrifice themselves, lay down their life on the altar for, for their friends. And so when we're asking the question, what is love, in this passage, what does love look like? It's the, it's the willingness to set your own desires aside and to put somebody else's above yours. It's the willingness to put yourself in somebody else's position so that they don't have to go through the thing that they're going through. It's the willingness to jump in when you see the need. It is a self-sacrificial kind of love. So Jesus also said uh, two chapters earlier in John 13, he says, I'm going to give you a brand new uh, commandment. He says, you're you're, you're supposed to love one another just as I have loved you. That's what you're supposed to do. Like I've loved you, you're supposed to go out and love other people. Okay. Well, how did Jesus love people while he was on earth? He was there for them. He showed up for them. He sacrificed for them. He ate with them. He gave them his time. He set aside time. He carved out moments where they could have respite together. He gave them courage to stand when they didn't have the courage to stand on their own. He sent them out, let them do their thing, and come back and taught them and encouraged them again. Let them even fail sometimes so that he could teach them lessons and then bring them back into the fold. He walked with them through hard things and never left them alone. And ultimately, he laid down his life for them and for you and for me. And so the obvious question there is, if he told us to love people like he loves people, do we love like him? (laughs) Do we love like Jesus? Do we give our time? Do we stop for a minute to encourage somebody? Do we show up for people when there's a need? Do we love like Jesus? It's a question for you to ask of yourself, not necessarily of somebody else. But are you loving like Jesus? And even after Jesus left, he, he was still teaching us how to love one another through the disciples and through the apostles because the apostle Paul takes up this call, it takes up this mantle, and here's what he had to say about love. And I guarantee if you've been to a wedding or a couple weddings or if you were married, you've probably heard these verses before. You could probably, you could probably recite them, but we're going we're gonna to read through them anyway. These verses get used a ton. Here's what Paul had to say about love. He said, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It doesn't insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but it rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Now, although we've heard these words at weddings before, I think we've got to understand, like, man, this is God talking to us. This is God telling us, this is how you love people. This is what love is supposed to look like. This is God helping us understand, and he's saying, this is what love is. And this is is what it's supposed to look like when it's being lived out. And when it's being lived out, it's supposed to look a lot like the love of Jesus. Just like what he said, a new commandment I give to you, love one another just as I have loved you. Now, what if we were to look at these verses again? And everywhere we see the word love, and where the word love is implied, that we replace it with the name of Jesus. 
who is love, right? He's shown us this. Here's what it would look like. This is us playing with the text a little bit. It would say, Jesus is patient and kind. Jesus does not envy or boast. Jesus is not arrogant or rude. Jesus does not insist on his own way. Jesus is not irritable or resentful. Jesus does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Jesus bears all things. Jesus believes all things. Jesus hopes all things. Jesus endures all things. Jesus never ends. How about that? Man, we see the love of Christ there. Guys, if it weren't for Jesus, we wouldn't know what love is. If it weren't for him, there would be no Christmas, there would be no lights, there would be no celebrations. December 25th would be just another day on the calendar. But because of Jesus, we actually, we know what love is. We know what love is all about. We know what love looks like. It's because of Jesus, we can know, we can know that we're loved. Even if you don't feel like you're loved by anybody else. Hear me. Even if you don't feel like you are loved by anybody else. You can know that you're loved. God loved you so much that he would send Jesus. So Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. Jesus, he actually loves you. Do you believe that? Do you believe that he loves you? Do you hear what I'm saying? Is it hard for you to take in from whatever your background might be. If you believe that Jesus loves you, would you say that with me? On the count of three, would you just say Jesus loves me? Or if, you're str- if you want to believe that Jesus loves you, would you say it with me? One, two, three. Jesus loves me. Say it again. Jesus loves me. One more time. Jesus loves me. Please believe that. Please believe that. We can know that we're loved because we can see it in Jesus and what he's done for us. And when you know that you're loved, it is so much easier to show that love to somebody else. Would you agree? When you know that you're loved, it's hard. If, if you don't feel loved, it's hard to show love to somebody else. But when you know that you're loved, it's so much easier to show love to somebody else. Did you know that um, it's actually a commandment for us to, to, to love people? First, Jesus said what we already talked about in John 13. He said, this new commandment I give to you, love one another just as I have loved you. This is how you're supposed to love one another. And then later, he gets pressed by a couple of punks in the religious leader group who are trying to trap him in his words. And here's how it goes down to Matthew 22. It says, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. He said, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? <laughs> Jesus is wise. And so he says to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind, going back to the law. Verse 38, this is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There are two things that Jesus says here that are very important for us to understand. He says you're certainly supposed to love God in this vertical relationship with him. There is to be nothing that gets in the way that keeps this love from happening, Right? Although, like, we shift sometimes and there are idols of our heart that take control. Jesus says, this is what it's supposed to look like. You're supposed to love me. And also, you're supposed to love one another. And this horizontal relationship with others, whether it be brother and sister in Christ, love them. Whether it be somebody who's just random that you meet on the street, love them. This is what we're called to do in this horizontal relationship with people, to love, to love God, to love others. And, and, I, and I'm... This might just be me thinking and dreaming out loud a little bit. 
But can you imagine what our world would look like if we started living this commandment out? Like, not, not in theory, but if we actually live like, like people who are deeply loved by God, right? Who are just go out and start loving other people the, the way that he's told us to do. I mean, don't you think the world would be, a, be a little, like a little bit different? The weariness and the heaviness that we feel, if we were people who were just deeply loved by God and we go out and we're just crazy about loving other people, I feel like the world would be a little bit different. Here's what Jesus says here. He uses this word love twice. And so let's dig into the word here. Uh, the word for love here is the word agapao, okay? Um, you've probably heard agape love before if you've been around the church long enough. It means to have this warm regard for and interest in another, to cherish or to have affection for, for someone, to have high esteem for or satisfaction with, to welcome, to entertain, to be fond of, to be well-pleased with, to practice or express love. It's a broad definition of what love looks like. In, in the English language, we have one word for love. It's just love. In the Greek language, there were three different words that were used for love. And the one that's being used here in this passage, it's hammering down this neighborly kind of love. The kind of love that doesn't just look out for yourself, but it looks out for others. The kind of love that's self-sacrificial. The kind of love that takes us out of comfort zone and gets us in the mix with other people. It's the, uh, the kind of love that is willing to lay down your life for somebody. It's a neighborly kind of love. Um, not too long ago, Ashley and I and the kids, we were going somewhere. I don't remember where we were going, but we we're going to be gone for about a week or so. And if you've got dogs, you understand the problem of going away for a week. Uh, and so we had dogs. We got two of them. They're dumb. They just don't know what they're doing all the time and just always in things. And they're just naughty, okay? Um, don't even know why we got them. We had one, and he was dumb, and then we got another, and so we're dumb. Uh, so it's just how it happened. And uh, so if you're going to travel out of town, like you got to find somebody, you got to pay somebody a bazillion dollars to, to board them, or you got to have a good friend. And so uh, we asked our neighbors, uh, who are our friends also, and we said, hey, could you, and this, like, this is really, this is stressing your friendship when you do that with a friend, okay? And so we said, hey, would you watch our dogs for the week? And they're like, yeah, absolutely. And so that's taking on a big task. So you got to show up in the morning and you got to feed the dogs. You got to let them out to pee and do their thing and then let them play for a little bit and then come back in. And then they got to come back in the afternoon to let them out to pee and go do their thing so they're not peeing in the house and wrecking everything. Uh, and then they show up in the evening and do the whole thing again and, and feed the dogs. And you do that for a week. That is a big task. And so they did it and they didn't complain about it at all. And a little bit later, uh, they were going out of town and they said, hey, would you watch our cat and our dog? Uh, and I said, I will watch your dog, but I don't care about your cat. Um, but uh, sorry if you're a cat person. Um, it's okay. It's okay. I think. Um, but we watched their, their cat and the dog, or our kids did. And uh, agapao, this is this neighborly kind of love. It's where you look out for, for one another. Um, I want to focus on the last piece of that definition for just a second. Um, to practice or to express love. Um, Y'all, we're, we're living in what we would agree is a weary world. Um, people are looking um, for an opportunity to rejoice. People truly want to feel that they're loved by somebody. People want to know that there's somebody around who cares about them. And can I just tell you that that's you and me, that we're called to be those people, 
that we're called to be the people who practice and express the love of Christ to others, that the love that they feel like they need needs to be expressed through you and me. The love that they're looking for needs to be expressed through you and me. It's the love of Christ that they need. You and I are people who have been deeply loved by God through, through Jesus, his son. And we're to share that love and practice that love and express that love to others around us. We are to be loved people who love people well. That's you and me. And this time of year is the best time for us to start practicing that kind of love. And so what, it, what would it look like if we focused on being his love right now this year for the next three weeks or so of Christmas that we have left? Um, what would that look like for us? Um, I would say it's, it's actually kind of easy sometimes to express love and to practice love. Uh, sometimes it's just as easy as, as baking some sweet treats and taking them over to the neighbor. I say, hey, I, I just want to give these to you. Um, your neighbor would be blessed by that if it's good. Um, or the expression of that love. Um, sometimes it's, it's as easy as just writing a note to a family member or to a friend um, or somebody who you know just doesn't have anybody in their life to say, I see you, I care about you, um, and you're loved. Not just by me, but you're loved by a heavenly father. Um, maybe it's as easy as just running errands for somebody um, who uh, could use a little extra help in, in their life. Maybe it's shoveling snow if we ever get any snow this year. Um, maybe it's sending a text to somebody um, to let them know that, that you're there to uh, and encourage them uh, to see how they're doing. I'll tell you, I got a lot of texts over the last couple of weeks, and I, it blessed my heart. I'm so thankful for those little expressions of God's love through you to me. Um, my other neighbor on the other side of us sent me a couple texts the last couple uh, of, of days and just said, hey, how are you doing? How was, I, I got an injection in my back. It wasn't fun. And he said, how, is it working? Um, you know, what's going on? Do you need anything? And it was just little texts like that. Um, it's expressing the love of God uh, through his people. And so we can do that. Sometimes it's just as easy as not being a cranky Gus to people around you. Like, stop being mean, right? Stop being mean to people. And, and, and here, here's a big one. And, and y'all may shoot me on this one, okay? Um, but... <laughs> What if you actually gave somebody a hug? Um, anybody in here huggers? It's okay to say it, <clears throat> okay? I'm a hugger. Anybody in here just like hate hugs? It, it, it's okay. Like, we're going this direction and you don't want to raise your hand. Uh, I understand that too. Some people just hate to be touched. Uh, I've, I've got a friend uh, who, uh, who, comes, who goes to church here and he's so much bigger than I am and uh, he does not like being touched. And I just love coming up to him and just being like, hey. And he's like, he just stands there like, what's going on? Uh, but some of y'all are huggers. Some of you aren't. But we were talking as, as a, a staff um, in, uh, a few weeks ago um, ab about just how, um, how many people go day to day without feeling loved by, by anybody. Um, they don't feel the expression of love through words or notes. And they definitely don't feel the, the expression of love through physical touch. Um, and, and for all kinds of reasons. Um, some people just isolate themselves. Their bubble just gets so big they don't let anybody in. Sometimes maybe you've uh, been a widower or you've been widowed and like your life has changed in a way that you didn't expect. And so that, that makes it difficult. Um, and some people just like, man, I, I don't want affection from, from anybody. There's all kinds of, of reasons uh, for this. Um, but the world that we're living in now is pushing us away from other people. It's not really bringing us 
together physically uh, in, in a good way. Um, in, in the Bible, here's a fun fact. Did you know that the Bible uh, tells uh, people to greet one another with a holy kiss? What would that look like, huh? In, in, in our world. Um, and I'm not saying for us to randomly go around kissing people, okay? Hear me say that real loud. I'm thinking very clearly right now. Don't go around and just randomly start kissing people because you, you'll end up getting in trouble, a lot of trouble. And uh, we don't do bail bonds here, okay? So don't go kissing random people. Uh, but in a culture uh, like the New Testament, what did that mean? Why were people encouraged to greet one another with a holy kiss? It was to express this neighborly kind of love. It was a practice, this neighborly kind of love that we've been talking about. It was to show regard for. It was to welcome people. It was to show that, hey, we're in this together. You're not alone. Now, over the years, here's where it's going to, for you, it might feel like we're about to go way off the tracks, but we're on track here. Um, now, over the years, we, we've learned that people need good, regular, healthy, physical touch. That they need the hug of a friend or they need the hug from somebody who deeply cares about them. And when you get that, it speaks volumes to your heart. How many of you all have been in a position where, man, it just, like, life just feels just really bad? And somebody just comes up and gives you a hug. And you just feel like, man, I, I needed that. I, I, and they say, I see you. I notice you. And it may not be a physical hug, but like, you know, maybe an emotional hug through a text or something like that. Um, it speaks volumes to our hearts. Now, there, there have been all kinds of studies that have been done about the effect of giving hugs and receiving hugs. And I want you to check this out, okay? Um, we did uh, a little searching around on the old internet here, and we found some pretty cool things uh, about hugs. Uh, and um, I want you to know, everything that you hear from me right now, I have not learned in the past of my life. This is happened this past week. I just learned this, okay? So I'm going to share with you what I just learned. Um, there are effective health benefits uh, of a hug, okay? Hugs reduce fear. Um, they uh, lower stress. They increase feelings of safety, and they lower pain. And here's, I'll tell you exactly what I read in some of these studies. Uh, for, it reduces fear. A good hug slows down the heart rate, and it decreases the level of stress, the stress hormone cortisol in our bodies. In turn, hugging makes us feel calm, safe, and relaxed. Um, it, in the same way, it lowers stress. Hugs reduce cortisol responses to stress, and having, they have a calming effect. They reduce fear and stress and give people a sense that all is well. Um, hugs increase feelings of safety as well. Um, the nurturing touch of a hug, it builds trust and a sense of safety. This helps with uh, open and honest communication. Hugs instantly boost oxytocin levels, which uh, heal feelings of loneliness, isolation, and anger. Uh, holding a hug for an extended time lifts serotonin levels, elevating mood. There was actually studies on how long you hold a hug, like three seconds, six seconds, nine seconds, six, like however long you, like there's different things that happen in, in your body uh, in positive ways. And then the last one there is that hugs lower pain. I read one study that said uh, hugs reduce your pain levels uh, as well. And so apparently in my current state, um, I just need more hugs in my house, right? Like, my, my family just needs to start hugging, and, and my pain's going to go away, right? Now, okay, so how many hugs should a person give and receive? One study that I read said that we need four hugs a day for survival, eight hugs a day for maintenance, and 12 hugs a day for uh, your healthy growth. Okay. Are those numbers right? I don't know. It's on the internet, okay? But do we need hugs? Do we need affection? Do we need people to see us and love us and care for us? 
And do we need to be people like that? You better believe we do. And so there are people who are looking for love in all kinds of different ways. They're doing it in all kinds of ways, in all kinds of places. Um, And they're going to find love or what they perceive to be love. Sometimes it's good and sometimes it's bad. Uh, There's an old song that if you're old enough, you'll remember. um, Looking for love in all the wrong places, right? Um, Who sang that? I thought it was Willie Nelson, but as as I kept singing it in my head a little bit longer, it wasn't Willie Nelson. Who was it? Johnny Lee. Johnny Lee? Man, what a a good song. But aren't we like, like people are looking for love in all the wrong places. What if they began to find that love when they meet people like you and me? Deeply love people who are just crazy about loving other people well. And and so here's something that we, crazy that we want to try. And uh, don't shoot me, okay? We want to invite you, at least for this week, (laughs) <laughs> we want to invite you into the hug life, right? We want to invite you into the hug life. Now, I, 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 not everyone is a hugger, and I know it, but you have clearly seen the health benefits of hugging here, all right, this morning. Very clear. Um, but we have T-shirts that are out in the lobby for you to grab on your way out. Like, there's a bunch of them. And so we want you to grab one of those T-shirts, and it says Hug Life on, on the front of it. Now, there's the obvious connection to the thug life, right? If, if you're old enough, you remember that. that there, there were things that came along with the thug life, but there was connectedness, honestly, and is how bad it was. But what we want is we want that shirt to raise questions. We, we want you to wear it. And, and that somebody asks you, why are you wearing a shirt that just audaciously says hug life on it? First of all, it's kind of weird. And why would you be wearing that around here? And I would say that it's a great way for us to share around this time of year, around Christmas time, that we can be reminded that we are love people, that Jesus came from heaven to earth on a rescue mission to save us, to show us his love for us. And as a love person, we want to show that love to others, Right? And so we are hoping that as we wear these, these silly shirts, that somebody asks us, why is that shirt? And you get to say, man, I'm just a love person by God that gets to love other people. Do you need a hug? Don't be weird about it, right? We hope that it gives you an opportunity to share the love of God that you've experienced in your own life, that you might have the opportunity to express that love to somebody else, to agapao with somebody else. Would you pray with me? Well, Father, um, thanks for your word this morning. Thanks that we get to have fun with your word and we get to enjoy it and we get to teach and we get to laugh together. And and we get to do um, silly things sometimes uh, to invite people into the great, amazing love that you've given us through your son, Jesus. This is a time of year, um, like none other, that we get to slow down, even with the hustle and bustle with everything going on. But we get to emotionally slow down and spiritually slow down and just look to say, man, there is no love like this. That you would step out of heaven. That you would set aside all the riches that are lying in eternity to come to this earth and wrap yourself in flesh, to live amongst us, to love us, to lead us, to lay down your life for us, only to take it up again so that we might have forgiveness of sin. There's no greater love than that. And if we, if we have to be silly to share that with people, let us be silly. Let us live with reckless abandon for you, I pray. In Jesus' name.